Hurricanes and lightning, very, very frightening. Basketball on ice and three goals in 75 seconds. There are three teams tangled in the East for wildcard spaces and four teams dancing in the standings out West. Heck, this is the end of the regular season. So let's play hokey cokey. In, out, shake it all about. Welcome to NHL Fans From Afar. Well, as we enter the final few games of the regular season, it's hard to even believe that we've got to this point. And whilst Jolon is possibly in Toronto airport, he may or may not join us for this particular episode. We'll wait and see if he pops up during our recording. Uh, but I've drafted in uh, our emergency goalie, backup goalie, uh, to help me guide us through the final matchups and i guess stephen edwards what a week to have you on because colorado avalanches have won four out of the five games uh in the last ones and even the game they lost they still got a point because it was in overtime i mean you guys are like sitting in that wildcard two spot in the west and you could potentially stay there by the look of things yeah, it's been an interesting time because I think a lot of people wrote off the Avalanche a week ago. Um, you know, disappointing mm. loss against the Ducks and kind of felt like that was it. Everyone kind of throwing the towel, you know, let's just see what kind of draft pick we can get. Um, but then things have, have really taken off. Grubauer in net has been absolutely outstanding for Colorado in this, this stretch run. And this has all been done without Landeskog, it's all been done without Rantanen. And Colorado all of a sudden getting his balanced offence. That's it, I was going to say, your, your man Philip uh, Grobner, he got uh, in, didn't he get the third star of the NHL or something like that this week? So, because I heard an interview with him on NHL um, tonight. Um, yeah, and they were asking him about, you know, what does he do with his ring from the Washington Capitals last year? He get it out and like kind of bring it into the dressing room to show the guys to spur them on. <laughs> I mean, it's an interesting case. I mean, he has obviously been a backup all season long to Valamov. Um, Valamov is one of those guys that kind of is a bit up and down on any given night. He can look like like a guy that's not going to let anything in. On another night, he can just have one of those really bad nights. And Grubauer went through a stretch in, I think it was in January, where just one bad performance after another. And it was just like, you know, you just could not put him in net because you just couldn't trust him. But he just seems as though he's zoned in and everything at the moment is going very, very well. I mean, yeah, it was a bit disappointing, I think, to not get the, the second consecutive win against Chicago. But at least, again, I think when you go on the road, it's important to take those points. And I think it's a sign of the way we feel about the team at the moment in so much as we think that that was points dropped. Whereas I think a couple of weeks ago, we'd have thought that that was definitely points gained. And I think if we stay in this wildcard two spot, which at the moment would put Colorado in a matchup against Calgary, and I think obviously Calgary would be the odds-on favourite to win that playoff series. But we've seen it in the past where all of a sudden you get into the playoffs, we're starting from scratch, you have the hot goalie, and all of a sudden that series looks very, very different. And I think a lot of people are talking about Calgary being a team that could potentially get upset in the first round of the playoffs, whether it be Colorado, whether it be Dallas, whoever is in that um, second wildcard spot. And let's not write off you know, teams like Arizona. Minnesota thankfully lost as well. Nashville gave... Um, Colorado, a bit of help there as well. And I think, you know, you've got to be optimistic, but there is only six games left and all of a sudden things can turn around a little bit. Yeah, it's a really, really, um, I love the dance at the end. It, it really excites me. It, it's all, it does, I kind of say about this if, but, so maybe. I enjoy yeah. this part 
the season. Um, it's probably a little bit easier for me being a Toronto fan that, okay, whilst we're not having a great run at the moment, um, we know that we're, we're kind of sorted. So then you can kind of breathe a sigh of relief and just get distracted on other things happening. And, and that's what we're going to do on this podcast. Um, we're going to look across some of the other highlights. Uh, Tampa Bay Lightning is definitely worth us talking about many aspects of that Carolina hurricanes are going to look at as well um, and just kind of depict as um, Steve has mentioned there the east and the west and a bit of a weird setup this week that I happen to be um, in a hotel room in Newcastle uh, on the road and Steve's what tucked up in, uh, in your spare bedroom are you and Jolon may be in an airport so <laughs> Forgive us that some of the quality of um, this uh, recording might not be so pristine as it as it has been in the past. But hey, we're just here as uh, keen, enthusiastic hockey fans to chat about what's happening in the, in the season so far. So why don't we just start and get them out of the way, really? And I, I mean that in the nicest way, but Tampa Bay Lightning... Um, a couple of things that I realised uh, listening to various different outlets this week that not a single guy in that dressing room for Tampa Bay Lightning has ever won a Stanley Cup before, yet the hunger that they have, the milestones that these guys are hitting, they're number one in power play, they're number one in penalty kill, which never really happens that you see number one for both those, very rare. Um, And now we're seeing this announcement, which has happened literally in the last few hours before we recorded the podcast, Um, the, the distraction of will John Cooper extend and stay as coach of Tampa Bay Lightning, whether they win or not, has been removed. He's been signed for a multi-year deal. I mean, I think this is a really smart move, Steve, because if you look at what happened with Barry Trotz um, last year, and it, it just kind of makes everybody say, right, it's done, the deal's done, let's crack on with the job at hand. Yeah, I think so as well. I mean, I think we normally look at this from a player's perspective, isn't it? You know, players get into the the contract year and we talk around the distraction of what that might be for the locker room sometimes with one of your star players. I mean, we you know, we've seen it with various players down the years, but I think at times we kind of forget about the fact it's the same for the coach. You know, we the coach is a key part of that and a very big part of Tampa's success. I mean, I think he's for me, he is the best coach in the league. I mean, something else you've just touched on there around the power play. I mean, I was looking at that this week, actually, because I wanted to delve a bit deeper into, you know, what they do right and everything else. I mean, they, they've got three big offensive weapons up front. They've got, they've got Kucherov, they've got Stamkos, they've got Braden Point. These guys are right at the top there in, in power play goal scoring. I think they're three of the top 15. It's, and that is actually unheard of to have that a group of players be that far up the charts. I mean, take a look at a guy like Kishimov, 14 power play goals, 33 power play assists. That's 47 points on the power play. That's a big reason why he has scored 121 points. I mean, that's not quite Gretzky numbers from the 80s, but 121 points that Kishimov has put up. I mean, Stamkos looks almost like a very ordinary 41 goals, 52 assists for 93 points. The offense for me is just absolutely crazy. And when you put them on the power play, and I talk about this a lot, is that in the playoffs, you've got to keep those power play opportunities down. I think that's going to be one of the keys to beating this Tampa team is you've got to play five on five hockey as much as you possibly can and try and find a way to break down this, what, what is the best penalty kill in the league as well. The thing that I was thinking about as you move into playoff hockey is that play does naturally kind of go on a little bit more. There aren't always as many penalties called. It's the speed, the momentum about it. So is it almost kind of because there won't be as many opportunities on the power play, that's almost taking away one of Tampa's weapons? It's taking away one of their weapons because they they do it better than everyone else, but they're still going to get their chances come playoff time because if a penalty is there to be called, it's going to be called. I mean, obviously there's a few instances where things aren't called, like late in games, you know, overtime as well. The whistle tends to stay in the pocket, but I, I would still be very, very wary about even making the referee make a decision. It's going to make you almost play on the back foot because... 
if you play a physical brand of hockey against these guys and then that penalty gets called because you do take it a little bit too far, you all of a sudden they're thinking to yourself, right, okay, I've got to go against their power play percentage, which is, you know, 28%. You know, that's one in every four chances they score. So if they get, you know, four, four or five chances a night, that's one goal they're going to get on any given night. They're a very, very difficult team to shut out because they are so great offensively. But in defensively as well, you struggle to find holes even now. I mean, a, a defenseman, the top two guys in Hedman and Madonna is, is a wonderful pairing. We already talk about Vasilevsky as well, you know, what he's done in net for them. They're getting good backup net minding as well. I mean, a backup net minder went on, I think it was the 11th game winning streak mm. this season as well. They're, they're very difficult to beat. And we're sitting here talking about a team that is only one win shy of, of, of 60 wins. Yeah, oh, no, I think, wasn't it three? They've got, they've got to get, uh, uh, sorry, no, they've got to get four, they've got to win the last four games to beat this record that they'll have the most NHL wins in history. Um, but I did see that their last four games are on the road. So, because that's the thing, isn't it, that I guess is also a bit of a weird thing for the last couple of weeks that do you rest your key players knowing that you're you've clinched that playoff space and you could head up to some really quite brutal maybe seven game series um is now the time to think that because it doesn't really matter to tampa does it what they really want is the absolute like pot of gold at the end of the rainbow so does it really matter to get these three four wins to get this another record another milestone it just doesn't seem worth it See, the thing is for me, when you're the number one seed and you're that far ahead, you have a very difficult decision to make, I mean, as you've rightly touched on there, in so much as you don't want to go into the playoffs with injuries. You don't want to go in there with fatigue. So what you end up doing is maybe trying to rest players, maybe trying to reduce players' minutes. And I think that's probably the better thing to do is reduce players' minutes, not actually sit them out, because you then kind of lose momentum going into the playoffs and you then go against an eighth seed which has probably fought tooth and nail to get into the playoffs then all of a sudden they become a completely different kettle of fish because they're all of a sudden a team that are on the rise you've then got a team or something that kind of you know loses momentum you might then lose one of those first few games at home in the playoffs is and all of a sudden then you're up against the you're you got your backs up against the wall you're facing some adversity that you haven't faced all season long you go in there as the favourites, and I don't think we've had a team that's gone into a playoffs as much as these are in terms of you know how much they are favoured to win the cup because of how well they've done both at home and on the road as well. They don't have any weaknesses, and really the only thing that could potentially stop them is some injuries here and there. But I think again, it's I want to see how this team does react to some adversary because I think they haven't really faced it all season long they've kind of coasted through but what are they going to do when they go against a Toronto over seven game series what are they going to do against a Boston over seven game series they're going to be tough series that they're going to have to dig in and scrap and win those games by the odd goal I mean we saw you know a bit of that over the last week but in general Tampa really haven't been tested have we really asked questions of this team yet and I think the answer in a lot of cases is no yeah, I think the the stuff that you're referring to. So, the Lightning came came back, didn't they, from a two goal deficit to beat the Bruins five four. Yeah. Uh, if it was it last night or the night before, can't even yeah. keep up. And and also we saw the game against St Louis Blues as well a few days ago, where as I mentioned earlier, there were these three goals in seventy five seconds against yeah. Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, I mean, Tampa went on to win. I'm pretty certain, but it was still quite a number of goals that they let in in the first place. And um, I saw one pundit jokingly say, you know, Tampa, you do also have to remember to defend when it comes to the playoffs, which is interesting saying, you know, about how exciting they are offensively, as you were were saying. So, yeah, it's an interesting test. And I'm just looking, you know, I've kind of been piecing together of who's doing the dance in the East at the moment uh, for these playoff berths. And Tampa are the team who are, you know, kind of coming across like they're they're 
playing Montreal, who are kind of sat in this wildcard two spot at the moment. Um, but they've also got to play Toronto and Boston. So it's not an easy end to the regular season for Tampa. They're not, I wouldn't say that playing Toronto or Boston would necessarily be walks in the parks as a regular season game at this stage of uh, the year. No, they're not the sort of games you want to play right towards the end of the season. They could have had much bigger uh, playoff implications. I mean, as it turns out, it, they're probably not going to matter those last few games that they've got left. So that is one good thing. But at the same time, is when you're playing against teams that you could potentially face in the playoffs, you're a bit wary about what you're going to show. Yeah. Again, you kind of you don't want to show everything. You want to kind of just like get the game out of the way, hopefully win it stay healthy, maintain momentum, and that's about it. You don't really want to just kind of say, right, okay, this is, this is what we're going to do come playoff time. And I think, again, I think the, when we talk about playoff hockey, what playoff hockey is very much about is about adjustments. It's how you can adjust from one game to the next. And I think that's where your coaches earn their money. When you take a look at a guy like you know Cooper, I think is is a, is a great coach. We know what kind of coach Babcock is. He's you know he's been there, seen there, done it all. And I think that's where your coaches earn earn their money. And I think it will be interesting to me if it does happen, if Toronto and Tampa Bay play each up play each other over seven game series, is to watch those seven games to kind of block out the rest of the playoffs, just be yourself in a little vacuum, and watch just the adjustments that those teams make over that seven-game series. Because that could be what it comes down to at the end of the day. I don't think in any of these series, as good as Tampa are, they're not going to blow out anyone. They, they're going to be tested on any given night. I mean, you go against Montreal, they could get X and net-minded over the course of a series. Any team you put in there that's got X and net-minding or got you know really good, consistent goal scoring are going to test Tampa over, over a seven-game series. Don't get me wrong, I think they'll go for the first round in about five games. I think that's going to be the biggest issue when you go into the next series is when you play the winner of the Boston-Toronto series is the fact that you then have to think to yourself, right, okay, they probably got into a seven-game war. I want to get my series out of the way as quickly as possible. But at the same time, is when you get your series out of the way quickly, do you then get rust? That's the other side of the thing. You're sitting there waiting for the other series to finish. That is, again, about playoffs. You've got to, again, that's where your coach earns their money to try and obviously keep your players motivated, keep them healthy, keep them focused and everything else. And I think for me, playoff hockey, there's nothing like it. It is the best playoffs of any of the major North American sports. I don't care what anyone says about baseball, football, basketball. Hockey playoffs for two months, it's solid. Yeah. I have to say, though, as a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, I... I feel quite anxious. I'm not looking forward to this. It pretty much looks like <laughs> as um, Toronto and Boston are going to meet again. But yeah. when you look at both these teams side by side right now, I, it makes me feel really nervous because Toronto, just the consistency just isn't always there. Maybe Jolon's got a different opinion to this right now because he's been out there. He's been watching some of the games and feeling the mood and that kind of stuff. But for me, it's just like a win, a loss, a win, a loss. Yeah. Um, and there's been some great individual milestones. You know, this week we saw John Tavares, you know, he's the first league in 25 years to score 42 goals. He's got a single um, game career high, scoring four goals last night. Um, I mean, he's, he's on fire. We're seeing other things from Mitch Marner as well. Hyman on the, on the goal sheet last night. Great individual stuff. But just the consistency is slightly scary. And I know there is that, but it doesn't matter. But I want that hunger there, and I don't always feel it. Whereas if you look at Boston, now Boston, you know, have knocked us out the last couple of seasons. But Boston are better than now than they were last year. This is what worries me. And they've also come through quite a bit of adversity. So we talked about how Tampa haven't necessarily been tested. Boston have been tested this season with so many injuries, and yet it doesn't seem to have rocked their core. And you look at their figures right now, and in the last five games, they've won four out of the last five games. And the one they lost to was against Tampa, which is completely acceptable, really. 
if you yeah. put it on paper. So it makes me feel quite anxious. If it's the, one of the first years that I just, I, I'm not sure I'm looking forward to playoffs yet. <laughs> I enjoy the pace of it, don't get me wrong, but I'm just not sure that we're going to see Toronto make through that first playoff series, which makes it so, so frustrating. But hey, that's, that's what you've got to do, isn't it? Just got to get through it. I go back to what I said a couple of times ago when I was on, on the podcast. I still stand by it. I still have faith that Toronto will beat Boston in a in a first round playoff series. I think Toronto have just got a bit more offensively. And I think the thing is with Toronto, one thing they do they do, do very well, they play very, very well on the road. I know Boston are a very good home team, but I think they match up very, very well in that. And if Toronto can steal one of those first two games in Boston, I think that series is is very, very different. And again, it's all about putting Boston up against the wall and getting one of those first two games. I think when you play in that seven-game series, if you lose the first two games in the other arena, it's a really uphill task. If you win one of those two games and then you then defend it at home and you send them back to their arena 3-1 down, then it becomes a completely different ball game. And I think that's what Toronto ultimately have to do. And I'm sure that's what the coach would be, you know, preaching to his players and saying, look, you know, we'll get one of these two. We'll come out and get game one, make a real statement and take that first game away. But I think it's important that even if Toronto did take game one, to go for the throat and take game two as well. Don't take your foot off, off of the throat. You, when you've got a team down, you kill them off. And I think, again, that's where some teams kind of fall foul in the playoffs. We've seen it before. We've seen teams cough up 3-0 leads in playoff series is because they don't finish off teams when they have the opportunity to do so. Same has got to be said for you know, teams like Tampa. You've got to kind of, you know, come out, come out hot and set the tone for the series because it's very, very difficult when the other team sets the tone to then get that back. I always go back to this playoff series because, it, for me, it always says everything that I dislike about when Colorado played Minnesota in a playoff series. Colorado were the team that were flying... Minnesota with a team that were like scrapping along but played a physical brand of hockey. And the thing was, even though Colorado went ahead in that series, Minnesota set the tone with their physicality through the whole series. And by the end of it, Minnesota won that series because Colorado couldn't get back into the games and couldn't be consistent enough. And I think that is what player hockey for me is mainly about. Setting a tone from the get-go because it's very difficult to get that back. And Toronto mm. have to do that, and Babcock will definitely be preaching that. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, I talked about consistency, and you mentioned the word hot, and hot and cold are the two words that have kind of been bouncing around my head the last few weeks. <laughs> and funny enough, um, I uh, I got to this hotel that I was, I've been staying at this week. <laughs> and stepped into the shower, right? And I turned the shower on, and I look at the writing on it, and it says, no joke, hot, cold, one way, which you'd expect. And it says the brand name, Aston Matthews. <laughs> you could not make this crap up. I was just stood in the shower laughing to myself, thinking, <laughs> God. And at that point, I didn't know whether Toronto had beaten Florida Panthers. <laughs> I turned the heat up and had a really hot shower. And then I looked at the score and realised we had won. But, uh, ah, yeah, the hot, cold thing. Let's, let's have a look at who has clinched their playoff spot. So, right now, as it stands, we have Calgary, San Jose, Winnipeg, Nashville, Boston, and Tampa. Let's just look at, say, Calgary and San Jose. Um, San Jose, I mean, we saw that Eric Carlson was sitting out and told that he wouldn't come back until playoffs. I've not really looked at how they've been doing Calgary and San Jose for me have just kind of slipped into the background, as has have Winnipeg, um, because it seemed to just be like a done deal that they were going to go in. My attention's been more on the people dancing around the wildcard spaces. Um, I mean, if you, you've been kind of keeping an eye out on them, I guess with Calgary, you probably have. Yeah, I mean, I've been keeping an eye on on both Calgary and San Jose because obviously they they're potential opponents for Colorado in that first round playoff season. Colorado get I, mean, I don't want to kind of talk as though Colorado clinched that playoff spot because it, it's far from that. But I think 
Calgary are just are very much exactly the same. They're kind of like win one, lose one, win one, lose one. They're not. There's there's not really any consistency there for me. They're still looking very very good at home, um, and I think they're going to be a, they're going to be a tough nut to crack. I think San Jose though for me are a bit of a worrying one. I mean, they've lost six in a row now. Um, it's it's really good in some respects. They have clinched that playoff spot because at the moment they're a sinking ship and sinking fast. Um, I never trust San Jose. I really don't. I only went to the finals you know, a couple of years ago, whenever it was. But for me, they've always been an, an underachieving franchise. And I always, when I look at playoff brackets, I always put them as the team most likely, if they were if they were higher seed, to lose to a lower seed. Mm. Because it's just something about them, and they again they're just they're basically falling into the playoffs. Um, it's it's not the best reign of form to be in right now. I mean they're going to be going against well Vegas in the first round of the playoffs, and for me, even though at the moment San Jose have the advantage in that series, you have to think Vegas are going to win that series. You you really do. I mean. Vegas have had their troubles on the road at times, but I certainly fancy Vegas to overturn San Jose in a seven-game series, no problem. Yeah, and Calgary are interesting, aren't they? In that they haven't really had... They've really not had any success in playoffs. Like, last year, they weren't even in the playoffs. The year before that, they had a conference quarter-final loss. They didn't make the playoffs the year before that. Then they had a conference semi-final loss then they're not made the playoffs for like one two three four five years so it, it, it's it's an interesting time isn't it to take those take a, a kind of win-lose win-lose are they gonna do it like everybody says that this is their year and they're kind of on fire but when you actually look at history I don't know it, it doesn't doesn't look so great to go from like not making the playoffs last year to suddenly being picked to be one of the, the the key teams to watch in the West seems quite a big jump. Yeah, for me as well, I think when I think of Calgary is that, I mean, I know you've got Johnny Hockey, but in general, you don't have like that superstar. And I think when you get to the playoffs, you've got to have that superstar. You've got to have that guy that can put a team on its back, whether it's a forward, whether it's a defenseman, netminder, whatever it might be. But for me, I just think that the balanced scoring that they've had for a lot of the season, in some respects, could actually come back to haunt them come playoff time. Because I think they just, they're not, they don't have the star power. They don't have the ability for one guy to just step up in a series. And when you, when you think about how they match up against Colorado, Look at Colorado's like top talent. You got Landisco, you got you got Rantanen. Um, for a start, they're like they're they're already missing. You got Nathan McKinnon. Mm. When you think of star power, there's your star power, right there. The most yeah. dangerous line in hockey for two thirds of the season. If Colorado could put that out there on any given night, they could run mayhem against his Calgary team. And I think that's a, I think the thing is for me is that. Balanced scoring, no-name stars. It just it doesn't, for me, give me a feeling that this team can go far. And I know Calgary fans have kind of got a bit of like a chip on their shoulder over this because sort of nobody's given us any credit. We're the best team in the Western Conference. We've been that way all season long. But yeah, that is a team that can go through the regular season like that. No problem. Fair enough. But can you prove to me that you can win a playoff series? And I talk about this a lot in terms of teams, is that you have to go through playoff pain to understand what it's like to win a playoff series. You have to learn how to play in the playoffs. And again, you talk about these guys, is that again, you know, not really been successful in the playoffs, really don't, you know, what experience can you kind of draw upon? Star power, leadership. And I just, I don't want to sit there as I'm like knocking Calgary because for all I know, they can play Colorado in a playoff series and, and knock them out 4-0. But for me, they don't reek of a team that could go far in the playoffs. I'm not saying you're not a good team, Calgary fans, before you jump all over me for saying it. 
but I just don't think you're you're there yet in terms of playoffs. You've got to learn how to play in the playoffs, and I think that's what this year is all about. Yeah, but sometimes what makes this sport more interesting is that what looks right on paper doesn't always work out. Um, but it's interesting what you're saying about the star quality. I don't know very much about Calgary. We've not had a Calgary fan on either. But like the, the top contract um, for them is 6.75 mil. Um, Johnny Hockey, who's their captain? Mark, what's his face? Mark... Uh, Giordano, yeah. So they're on they're on similar ratings. So yeah, you're right about the star quality in terms of that killer contract. It's uh, yeah, interesting, I mean, interesting. Who else we got? Go I mean, don't, get me, don't get me wrong. I don't. You don't need to pay like a huge contract to like you know have a star player or whatever else. I mean, there's some very cheap contracts around the NHL, but yeah, I just definitely. think they're not. They haven't attracted like a like a, a, a big name. They haven't got. I know Johnny Hockey's kind of like larger than life almost. And my friend Alex will hate me for saying this because he is a Calgary fan. Um, he lived out there for a couple of years. Um, but I just I just don't see that star quality leadership that they need going in. And I think there's other teams that are, are certainly better posi- uh, positioned. I mean, we talk a lot about Winnipeg. We talk a lot about Nashville. For me, that's still where. The, the Stanley Cup finals is still going to come from. It's still coming out of that central division. Mm. Hey, talking about star quality, uh, Washington Capitals like did this thing that was on social media the day where they got like uh, a few of their key players, including my favourite, Ovechkin. And they got them to do like <laughs> a bird thing. So there was just like all these videos of Ovechkin on my timeline on Twitter of Ovechkin <laughs> doing the bird. And I just thought, wow, you've you've put yourself like at that level that you're there doing the birds like star quality my ass um <laughs> Ovechkin, nobody enjoyed the Stanley Cup win more than Ovechkin ever has very very true very true so <laughs> Winnipeg and Nashville okay Nashville were on fire at one point this season and they've kind of trickled down a little bit haven't they yeah um, and I wonder what their last few games, what they're kind of, I don't know how their consistency is doing. They kind of appear into like, every so often I forget who they are and then they come back into my periphery. And PK Subban is not necessarily one of the people whose name is always being thrown about as a top point scorer or loads of assists or anything. It's just, I'm not really hearing very much about him. And I don't know why. And I think the scary thing is for me, and I think it should scare Nashville, is their last two trips to Winnipeg have not gone well. I mean, they lost 5-0 there there recently. They lost 5-3 the last visit there. And you think, you know, at the moment, in that that division, all roads have to go through Winnipeg. So you've got to think over the last part of the season that they're going to have to try and somehow get into first place in that division because if they have to go into Winnipeg to try and win a playoff series at the moment I really think that they are really going to potentially struggle I mean, it doesn't get any easier for them the next game is in Pittsburgh mm-hmm. where they recently lost at home to as well so I don't actually think we're seeing a Nashville team that is certainly firing on all cylinders they seem as though they win a couple then they, then they lose a couple, then they beat a couple of really good teams, and then they then go against someone and you think, hang on a second here. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they're a team that lost at home to Colorado 5-0 not that long ago. That was, a re- that I do, was one-sided. It's I've got to say something, though. I've got to say something, like, disclaimer alert, I'm not a hot, trying to put it under the carpet, but they did shut out Maple Leafs last week. So, you know... But, <laughs> they did, that's what I'm saying. They beat Toronto and then they then followed that up with a loss against Pittsburgh where they just didn't get going. It was a shootout they, though, yeah. But they never, but they, for me, they did not get going. And then, yeah. then going to Winnipeg and put up a big fat zero. 5-0, mm, exactly. You know, that's what I mean. They beat a really good team 
I mean, all right, and the Toronto win was on the back end of games against San Jose and, and LA. But prior to that, they'd lost to Anaheim. They'd lost at home to Carolina. They just, I don't know. I, I'm exactly the same with, with Nashville. I don't know what to make of them right now. I, I kind of lean on experience because a lot of their guys have been, you know, been to the cup finals. They get really good net minding. They're, you know, they've, they've got all the pieces in place. But for me at the moment, they're just not firing. And I think maybe over the course of this last half dozen games, is I think that's one of the big things for them is that they need to kind of find some consistency to go into the playoffs. Otherwise, again, they're going to go into this potential series against St. Louis, and that's a really tough playoff series. Yeah. That is going to be really quite horrific. So Winnipeg then, the name, the, the team that excites me, the other Canadian team that excites me, I was, I was going to say. Um, this is also being kind of banded as potentially their year. And a team that excites me more than Calgary Flames, I, I think is fair to say. Um, what do we reckon? But then look at them. They they then beat they beat Nashville five zero, and in the following home game they lose five two against Dallas. Again, you just like where where's the consistency? They had they lost in Vegas five zero. They beat Nashville five zero. It's there's there's nothing there, and I suppose that's the reason why Calgary fans are obviously quite happy about things because they're taking a look at everyone else and going, there's no consistency anywhere else. So you know we're you know we're playing you know probably the better best hockey in the Western Conference, you know yeah everyone should be talking about us, but I still just think Winnipeg for me in a more likely team out of this division, and that's partly because they're not going to have to go through that they're not going to have the Nashville St Louis series, mm. um, they're going to have to what looks like it's going to be Dallas um, in that first round matchup. I think that's going to be, a, you know, for me, a much easier ride. I mean, I know one of our good friends, you know, Matt Day, will maybe think otherwise. But I think they're going to certainly look at that and think, well, OK, we've got a better chance we have against Dallas and we have maybe a tougher series against St. Louis. And I think that's, again, you know, when you start the playoffs, you don't want to get involved in that seven-game war in the first round of the playoffs. Because then the playoffs is long enough as it is. You do want a bit of rest. Seven-game playoff series yeah. to start off with? No, thank you. The thing with Winnipeg, if we go back to what you were saying about Calgary and have, have Winnipeg got some star talent, well, they've got three players in their team that are putting up 30-plus goals. You know, Mark yeah. Schieferle, Carl Connor, Patrick Laine, who are great players. They have got some good lines there. Um, you know, they have got um, some playoff experience as a team as well. Um, some painful experience, but they they have got that um, as opposed to Calgary. So, yeah, I don't know. And Dallas are an interesting one that you point them out because Dallas have only won two in the last five, which is a shame because they had a chance to chase St. Louis Blues to get the third place if they wanted, but it just hasn't seemed to have happened this week. Um so, but as you say, nothing is dead certain in that because Dallas sit with 84 points. You guys, Colorado, at 81 points. And then you've sat with Arizona and Minnesota at 79 points. And what you've all got, one, two, three, four, five, six or five games left. So points being prizes and there's, uh, there's potentially 10 points that could change around over those four, four teams, yeah. I think. Um, no, and I think, you know, a lot's going to change over the next, like, 10 days or so. And I think, again, I think Winnipeg, we, what we don't talk about enough is, again, his net netminder, you know, Hellebuck is, for me, a really good netminder. Um, you know, it's, everyone's got really good netminders now. That's the thing. And you can, any of these guys can carry a team on its back. I want to just in touch on Colorado for a minute. I had something laughable from, from a Colorado fan that even I wasn't going to buy. And it was about, like, Grubauer and the run that he was on. They was trying to compare it to the run that uh, Jonathan Quick went on when he was uh, the netminder from LA when LA won one of their cups when he went 16-3 and with a 1.41 goals against average and basically what was a, not a great LA side, but he put the team on its back and basically won that cup almost single-handedly. 
Mm. I'm not going to get carried away like that. But what I will say is there's a lot of very good netminders here. We talk an awful lot of time about the offensive talent around. But let's not forget there's some great netminders here that can have a huge say in what happens in a lot of these playoff series. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, just quickly before we kind of move on from the West, what I find interesting, and, and I do think that my money right now will be on that the wildcard one spot will go to Dallas and the wildcard yeah. two spot will go to Colorado. And yeah, I the so. reason I think that is because just looking in my stats head at Arizona and Minnesota, I think that they had a good run, but the bubble has burst. Um, Arizona have won none out of the last five games, um, you know, and their last win was the 15th of March, which is what, 11 days ago. Yeah. Um, so I wonder whether they've run out of steam. They're 79 points, you're 81. Minnesota also sits 79 points. They have only won one in the last five. They've got one less game to play. They, you guys have a game in hand compared to them. Um, and I think they've got people like the um, uh, Winnipeg Jets. They've got Dallas who are just a little bit more hungry and need to keep the pace up. They've also got the Bruins. Um, they've got the Knights as well. Arizona, I don't know what will happen there. And potentially that could be quite interesting, Arizona and Minnesota, if for any reason both of them suddenly click back into place because the winner of that game could really be the one that takes the two points that gives them a chance. If you guys suddenly start to go on a bit of a losing streak, that could change things. But I would think that at, my, at the moment, my money would be that Dallas and Colorado would be the ones to take the wild card spaces and it's just because I think that Arizona and Minnesota may have run out of steam for the for the next few games for the last five or six games but you know I don't, I don't know yeah we'll, Minnesota, we'll played, Minnesota played a game more as well than um, Colorado and Dallas which doesn't help them I think what would have been interesting is if Edmonton had had a little bit more of a run late lately and they could have had a potential say in, in one of these wildcard spots. I think the time is just going to run out for them a bit at the moment. I mean, even if they win, they've got 75 games. They've played the least amount of games of any of these teams that are potentially in the wildcard hunt. And that would have been interesting, you know, to get a, you know, going against the playoff series and Colin McDavid and Dreisaitl or, I think that would have been a very tricky playoff series for anyone else. But, I, I can't look past Dallas and Colorado right now. Um, I think both teams are playing well enough to make the playoffs. I think they, you know, they've got their tails up, um, and I think they'll, they'll, both teams are going to be tough outs come playoff time. I think Dallas might, you know, stretch Winnipeg a little bit, maybe to you know to six games. I think Colorado could potentially stretch Calgary. Um, I don't expect Calgary or Winnipeg to lose, but I think it could be very, very interesting. Mm. Um, the team that I'm disappointed about out west, Chicago were like going on this crazy little run and uh, I know Abby who's our fan from Leeds who is a Chicago fan will probably be slightly gutted but they sit at 76 points so it's not necessarily all over if they kind of keep going this winning streak but um, I'm just not quite sure because they obviously had that series with you guys last weekend Uh, where they won one, then you won one, uh, but they, you beat them, no, you lost to them in overtime, so you still took a point, which was good for you to take three out of four points, I suppose, over the weekend is not necessarily so bad, Um, but they really needed those four points to kind of keep them in in the fighting space, um, I suppose, so never mind, but hey, they all all kind of made us think uh, twice, thinking what on earth is going on there anyway let's look at the east right because my second um nhl team columbus blue jackets (laughs) oh my god i just i just don't think they're gonna do it if i just kind of paint the picture of what what i'm looking at right now in the east for me there are three teams who are kind of tangled up as i described it in my introduction i think there's carolina montreal and columbus blue jackets i'm being very brutal that putting everybody else aside because i think these are the three where they might move around or not move around 
Um, and I think, as, as exactly the same as I said in the West, I do think that Carolina will hold the wild card one spot and Montreal will hold the wild card two spot. And the reason being for that is I just don't think that Columbus have got the steam to keep going and looking at the teams that they're facing coming up, Islanders, Montreal, Nashville, Bruins. Um, and they've actually got an extra game, which if they do turn around and win some of the easier games, such as New York Rangers, Sens, Sabres, maybe that could help give them an extra couple of points. But that tie, that, that kind of tricky bit between Montreal and Columbus, I mean, the game between Montreal and Columbus, which is in a couple of games' time, that is going to be one that I've circled on my schedule to watch out for because the winner of that, even if it's an overtime win, those two points, one point, that's going to make such a big difference. Um, yeah, I, think, I think it's just... Uh, it's so exciting, but I mean, Columbus, um, they've had a bit of a weird week in that their captain, Nick Foligno, um, hasn't pe- played for the last four games. I think he's coming back into the team uh, tonight or tomorrow, but basically his son got rushed to hospital because he had pneumonia and his lung collapsed. And so Nick Foligno was just sleeping on a bench in the hospital-like corridor um, you know, obviously by some side, but he is a instrumental part to the character of that team. You know, he's a, he's a type of guy that is very gutsy in the way that he plays and, and he's very physical. He's dropped the gloves numerous amount of times this season to really fight and protect his teammates. And I think characters like that will really be, every, you know, the team needs every little character like that to keep them going right now. Um the slightest little bump could knock them off track. And it's, um, I love what they're doing and they're going for it. But part of me is a bit like, oh, God, I just don't know. I just don't know if they're really going to pull it out of the bag and, and make it. I do hope they do. I sound like the most pessimistic hockey fan <laughs> this week ever, don't I? I don't believe in my own team. And I don't even believe in my second team. Oh, and then I'm, you know, pissing on the chips of Calgary just because, oh, look, the paper says they're not very good. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I don't know. What do you think? Do you think Columbus, Montreal? Who's gonna Who's gonna get that second space? I think it's, it is gonna go right down to why. I mean, you talk about like Nick Foligno, and I think do you know we do forget that these guys that we see play hockey night in, night out are are just ordinary as well. And you sometimes forget about the fact you know they do have everyday lives they do have families like the rest of us and that and you know and these things can have a, a real effect on them you know obviously you know hockey all of a sudden goes in a back burner and, and rightly so to deal with anything like this and it's sometimes interesting to see you know like how the team reacts how the player reacts um and you know what you say he's a he's a big character for them he's a, a real good locker room guy as well and we talk about this a lot you know you have him these guys in locker room and kind of, you know, that build that team chemistry, you know, a glue guy. Just, they're the kind of characters you need. And I think some of those characters have kind of left hockey almost. They're kind of like a bit of a throwback um, to what we used to see. And I think, you know, they're going to need Fellini. You know, goes without saying. Um, I think it's going to be a really tight race. I mean, I think this is one thing about a wildcard race. I think, when you look at some like the, the top part of these divisions almost, you know, it's kind of almost done. But when you have a wild card race to take into consideration, I think that's where it becomes really, really fun. Do I agree with a playoff format? No. I stand by what Stephen Stamco said, you know, recently about the fact it should be 1v8. You know, you shouldn't have, uh, you know, the best three teams in the Eastern Conference basically fighting it out over the first two rounds of the playoffs. Shouldn't happen. Um, but what I will say is the wild cards have made it interesting um, going into this latter part um, of the season as we look at the last few last few games. I think at the moment, when you get to this point, unless a team is on a really, really bad run, I tend to kind of stay with things as they are. Because it is very, very difficult to kind of, you know, leapfrog in the standings almost. You need, not only do you need to play well, you need to look at how the other team's doing, who can take points off them. Yeah, if you've got a head-to-head matchup, 
that can really help you. But then you then suddenly think to yourself, right, okay, I've got to beat this team in regulation. I don't want them to get a point just because somehow they've managed to drag us to overtime. So again, it kind of makes you think differently about that game as well. And then you might make a mistake that might end up giving up the goal. It's a lot of things can go through teams and players' minds. But I think at the moment, as it stands, I think you've got to look at um, Carolina and Montreal as the as the last two playoff spots. I know that uh, Columbus... However, they've okay. actually got two games in hand, Columbus, right now. I'm just looking at this. They've got seven games left of the season. Montreal have got five games left of the season. And also worth saying that Montreal have got to play uh, Columbus, Winnipeg Jets, Tampa and Washington Capitals. That's a tough run. Um, you know, their track record is they've won three in the last five, but that's a tough run with, like, you know, your competitor, nearest competitor, with two games in hand. They've got six because they start against Florida tonight. Because they're playing tonight, that's why, yeah. Yeah, they're playing Florida tonight. But, I mean, I think, yeah, the road gets much harder. When you look at it, they've got the Florida game. Mm. Then they go to Columbus, and then they're running at Winnipeg, home to Tampa, at Washington, home to Toronto. So Toronto have got playoff implications, potentially, at that point. Winnipeg most definitely have. Columbus... Oh, did that's what I missed off. I missed off the bloody Toronto game. Yeah. <laughs> How so did you only, get that? Yeah. The only, real game, the only real games there that really don't have a lot of meaning is the Florida and the, and the, and the Tampa game. At Columbus, has massive implications. At Winnipeg, Winnipeg are fighting for the top spot in their own division. At Washington, they're fighting for the top spot in their own division. And against Toronto, I mean, you, Montreal will definitely hope that Toronto and Boston is already sorted out by then. But Toronto are not going to roll over for one of the, for their, their big rivals. Against Montreal, no chance. Mm. It's gonna, I mean, that's a... That is going to be a hell of a game. It's always a hell of a game. It's, it's one of the, the hottest tickets over the course of the NHL season. What a way to finish the season. You have to think, if Toronto could beat Montreal in the final game that they play in a regular season and prevent Montreal from making the playoffs, you don't think they're going to try hard for that? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, it's, it is exciting, isn't it? But my favourite team this week, right, Stephen, who've just excited me, and I know we talked about this March Madness, I think it's called, the, the Carolina Hurricanes sitting in this um, first wildcard spot in the East. They have also won four out of the last five of their games. But more importantly, two of those wins, at home at the weekend which means they get to do this crazy thing of like the celebration <laughs> that they do. and um, I put the picture of this episode of the moment that um, Trevor Van Roomstijk did the slam dunk uh, they were playing basketball on ice suddenly they get the win and I mean my man crush is surely the person who has to think up how on earth did they pop the last celebration? Because they're doing like a slam dunk on ice. They were playing a basketball game. Although I think it was a bit, uh, I think they should have been penalised for travel because there wasn't any dribbling going on. He was moving <laughs> with the ball, which you, I know you love your American sports. I Even I know that's not allowed. But um, then the second win, they did this thing where they had like a circle in darkness and they did fishing. So there were a few guys with a fishing line um, where the player's bench was and fishing out into the darkness and seeing who they were catching. And then like the players who were being caught had to like <laughs> move around like fish on the ice. I mean, it is, it is crazy, isn't it? I think I need to find somewhere on YouTube like a montage of all of the weird celebrations that Carolina Hurricanes have done. Because oh, yeah. the thing is, right, if this, if this is what they're doing in the regular season, what the hell are these going to do if they win a playoff game? Yeah, I mean, is this really like any different than the pageantry that Vegas put on uh, when they came into the league? I just think it just adds a, a bit of fun, you know, the, you know, the, 
The fans have gone crazy over it. I know it's upset just about every other hockey fan alive. And, and Don Cherry, yeah. Included, and yes, we all respect his opinion a lot, not. Um, but, you know, I think it's it's just bored a bit of fun. You know, we, we can sit there and kind of look on to see what they come up with. I mean, for me, I think like the, the clay pigeon shooting one was, was really amusing as well that they did. Um, the bowling one was another one that was particularly amusing. I, I just think it's great. I just think it's just something that's brought the whole team together. It's brought, you know, the fans are really involved in all of it. And they seem to be having a lot of fun doing it. And, you know, fair play to them. I, I think it's great. And long may it continue. But, yeah, they're going to have to up their game come playoff time. Let's put it that way. Well, and the thing is, at this time of year, this is the point where people start renewing their season tickets as well. Exactly. So you would think it's a very clever move by whoever's, you know, their hockey operations that yeah. people want to go to a home game, seeing that they're on this winning streak, seeing that they're highly likely to make the playoffs and that they've got these home celebrations. You want to say that you were there to see that, oh, that weird moment when they did the slam dunk on ice or they were fishing the players. I mean, imagine that in years to come when you're a granddad and you're telling your kids, oh, I went to a hockey game and they were doing some basketball or fishing. It's like, yeah. it's no-brainer, isn't it? Um, what, uh, what I was going to say that looks quite interesting for them is they've got a double header against Washington Capitals um, for the next two games. Um, so that, that will be quite a... Uh, one. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a potential playoff preview. Um, so that'll be quite interesting as well. And again, these are the kind of games I love. I love seeing games that are potentially um, a playoff series preview. Because as I said before, you know, teams aren't going to show off everything. They're going to kind of play things a bit cagey and just, you know, get through those games. But it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I said, you know, games that Washington are going to want. Um, you know, again, they're, they're fighting for that top spot in the Metropolitan, which is, you know, haven't we talked about this, but it's a, it's a three-horse race at the moment at the top of the Metropolitan Division. And in actual fact, if things fell a certain way, I know you think that Carolina have got to overcome a lot to do it, but Carolina still have a shot of winning the, the division. What? Really? Hang on. I'm not even, I haven't even got my standings open. That would be pretty crazy. Yeah, Carolina are only five points off of Washington with a game in hand. They're in fourth place. And a lot of things have got to go their way, but who knows? They've got a real shot. You know, that division is really tough. I mean, at the moment, as crazy as it sounds, even Columbus could actually still win the division in fifth. (laughs) It's not going to happen because you've got so many teams in your way, but um, it's that, yeah, that division compared with what the, the Atlantic slide is a really, really tight division that's gonna be a real dogfight down to the end and I think you're gonna want in that division I think you're gonna want to win the division because I don't think you're gonna want to get involved in what could be a potential first round matchup if you imagine the Capitals against the Penguins in a first round matchup wow that would be incredible wouldn't it yeah our good friend Mr Wilson almost like the uh yeah almost a bit like the uh Boston Bruins and Toronto Maple Leafs playing each other. Yeah. God's sake. Yeah, um, I don't agree with it. 1v8. Wow. But I want 1v8. Well, as per Stephen Stamkos. What I do want to know, are we, are we going to do a bracket challenge? Shall we set one up? I think we, sh- I think we should. We should set one up. You know, me, you, Jolon, any of the fans that uh, want to give it a go. Because I think, you know, let's, let's see who knows and who doesn't. I got into the top 200 last year of the bracket challenge. I always do one, one stupid one and one more thought about one. Um, <laughs> so uh, I set the bar quite high last year. But what, what I will do, if you're listening to this and you do want to have a stab, um, then I'll post it into our Slack group and on our Twitter page yeah. as well. So just you can find and where we are um, NHL fans from afar on Twitter and or you can email us just find out that way NHL fans from afar at gmail.com um, I guess we kind of like put the world to rights really here haven't we with everything that's happening but there is one thing that you just want to get off your, your uh, chest so I'm gonna I feel like I feel 
feel like I should put a 60 second timer on you or something. But... No, it's going to take longer than 60 seconds. It's funny you should bring it up that way, actually. We're putting, you know, putting the world to rights because you know, hockey is a global game. And, and obviously, we had the announcement last week of the, the global series um, taking place in Berlin, uh, Lausanne, uh, Prague, and uh, Stockholm, which I'm glad to have gone back to Stockholm because I felt. Gothenburg wasn't the best venue last year, having uh, taken my youngest to that particular venue. Um, wasn't particularly well managed. It was much better managed a couple of years ago when they had the two games over in Stockholm. But I think for me, I think some good matchups, Blackhawks against the Flyers, which is kind of like the worst kept secret in the world about them opening up the season in Prague. Um, both the Flyers and Blackhawks will play pre-season games. Blackhawks will play in Berlin against Ice Baron Berlin and Flyers are playing Lausanne against Lausanne um, as part of their preseason preparations. And then in Stockholm, you've got Buffalo against the Tampa Bay Lightning, potentially a Stanley Cup champion um, there. And I think, you know, both teams have, a, have Swedish representatives as well, which I think is great. And that's where it kind of leads me into the thing that gets thrown at me or I read about every single year after these games or when these games are announced. It's like, why haven't they gone back to London? Why has it been since 2006, seven seasons since they went to London? And do you know what? I'm going to say this on many different, in many different ways and ultimately the answer is still going to be no. It's a no answer responding to everyone that's ever said this to me is at the moment the NHL will not look at London as a venue for the NHL right now. The reason behind that is there are other hockey markets that are a lot more appealing. They've gone to China recently. They're going out to places that are far better hockey nations than, than we are. The only way that we will get games back in London is if we have a much better presence in the NHL. So somebody responded with this comment to be, well, what about, you know, if Liam Kirk makes it? Great. So one player, Liam Kirk, who would potentially at most be a lower line player that will play occasionally. You also think that's going to tempt the NHL to bring hockey to, to the UK? No, it's not. I'm talking about an actual presence. You think about Swedish players. What about China, though? How many Chinese China is a completely different ballgame. Everyone knows why they went to China. It's not even on the same ballpark that the reasons why they're going to Europe. Not going to happen. It's not going to advance the game in this country by sending over the NHL. And I just want to point out to this, just in case you haven't checked flight times, flight times to Prague and Stockholm are not that far away. You're looking at a couple of hours' flights to either of those places. Go and explore two really stunning cities. And you know the, the back, back I got about it being in Stockholm? It's too expensive. No, it is not too expensive. It's not. It's about the same price as London is, apart yeah, from one thing. Is because people complain about the cost of the alcohol. And I'm sorry if you can't go a whole weekend without drinking some alcohol in the name of hockey, I'm sorry, then I'm you're <laughs> lost. No. You really are. I'm talking to somebody who's now a teetotaler, but. Um, yeah, it, but it's the accommodation and, and stuff like that. And I just think. Yeah. Accommodation? Stockholm's a great place to be. And, and Prague is. is pretty bloody cheap actually and there's a lot historically and culturally there so do you know Stockholm I will say this about I will say this about Stockholm because I mean I <clears throat> very cheekily booked the minute this was announced I very cheekily booked a hotel on 100% cancellation just in case I fancy going to this but I'm probably not going to but um what I noticed was after 20 minutes you were okay three hours into it so I checked again at lunchtime at work. Um, the hotel that's literally right next to the arena, the prices have doubled. But what I will say is, yeah, is if anyone is going to the um, the games in Stockholm, if you haven't booked your accommodation yet, the place I stayed at a couple of years ago was called Motel L, and you can get a room there for about eighty pound a night, and it's only fifteen minute walk away from the arena. 
it's not bad and it's not for an awful neighborhood or anything like that it's it's really well lit really safe i did it well you just need to be like a nhl global series salesman don't you but you know what what, right just thinking of being abroad and flying to foreign countries and stuff (laughs) in just the moment that we happen to have actually like almost finished recording this podcast I can see that we've got a visitor on the line uh, from afar, and it is the Jolon, but I, he's oh, muted, oh, oh. so I'm going to... Are you there, Jolon? Oh, hi. Oh, hi. Oh, hi. Well, I've, just been, I've just been enjoying listening to this podcast. It's very good, by the way. <laughs> what are you doing? Where are you? Well, I'm very aptly speaking to you from the formerly known as Air Canada Centre, now Scotiabank Arena. Yeah. Um, I'm currently outside the uh, shop, which anybody who knows me knows is a dangerous place for me to be. And uh, <laughs> just before I fly back, I'm going to go in and uh, possibly make a few purchases. Oh, oh that's really? Very kind, what, what jersey? What jersey <laughs> are you going to get, though, Jolon? Tavares? Well, I don't know. Well, after, funny you should mention John Tavares, uh, Claire, um, after watching him score four last night and also uh, scoring the, or tying, seeing him tie the most goals scored by a Maple Leaf in any one season, I'm kind of feeling a little bit like a Tavares jersey. Like, that's <laughs> if, if there was a sign, that would be it. <laughs> oh, my God. So you were in the game last night, the Panthers game? Yeah, I went to that one. So I went to the Rangers one on Saturday, which was, I mean, it, it was fine. They played well. They had a terrible result, but they played well. Uh, then I went to go and watch the Marlies on Sunday, uh, throw away a, a four-goal lead or something silly and lose in overtime. So I was really ready to see a win. And uh, without going into letting the Panthers score five goals as a, just a hockey spectacle, last night was the perfect game to sit there seven goals Tavares scored four party atmosphere it was great ah I love it okay well look we've we've waffled on so much and you've got to go buy that jersey so we'll catch up you can tell us all about your trip next week Jolon if that's all right yeah looking forward to it and I I feel like just in terms of balance you know because I appreciate there's two teetotalers on this podcast for uh, I need to speak up for watching hockey <laughs> with alcohol, which I have been doing all weekend actually, and uh, I can just say for balance, the two go very well together. I'll leave it. <laughs> Brilliant. All right. Well, look, let's leave the podcast there. We'll catch up and hear more about Joel on safe uh, trip back to the UK. Yeah. And Steve, thanks Thank uh, very much for for sitting in. Take care, Jolon. Thanks Take for sitting care. in as always, and. Um, uh, good luck for your run over the next week. You've got the Knights, Arizona, Blues, Oilers, Jets, San Jose left. Yeah, it's going to be, gonna be uh, potentially a bit up and down, but I'm I'm hopeful that Colorado will get enough points to um, get us into the playoffs. But as always, Claire, it's a it's a pleasure stepping in for yourself or or Joan on whenever you. Oh guys hi, is that Matt Duchesne? Oh hi, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a guy who knows. Uh, he he loves you, big fan. Can I get an autograph? Is that right? Yeah. Oh cheers, Matt. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Right to Stephen. Yeah, Stephen. That's right. Yeah, with a yeah, V. Yeah, he'll love that. He'll love that. Yeah, Stephen with a V. Yeah, make sure he'll he'll hate you if you put PH. And uh, yeah, that'd be great. Send it to him. Cheers. Thanks, Matt. Sorry, I hope you didn't hear that guy. Sorry, carry on. Carry on. <laughs> for anyone who's listening you need to join our slack group and there you can witness in full force steve's love of matt Deshane. have a great <laughs> week enjoy this season we'll leave it on that note take care